0: Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is Game-Changing Business Model Disruption, presented by SAP, the best-run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to help you shake up the status quo in your company's business capabilities and move your organization in exciting new directions. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome,
1: welcome, welcome. If you want to run, drive, or whatever you're doing, or race with the Game Changers, and I use that word for a reason, you are absolutely in the right place. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Let's see what the buzz on the street is. I have a quote from Deloitte from a paper called Business Ecosystems Come of Age. Let me read the quote, and this will set us up very nicely for our conversation today. Quote, Ecosystems are dynamic and co-evolving communities of diverse actors who create and capture new value through both collaboration and competition. Unquote. I couldn't think of a better way to describe what we're doing. So this is business model disruption. You know, we've been, the the show's been on the air for two years and what we're talking about is all of you out there. Whatever your business, whatever your footprint, whatever your industry, whatever your idea, the status quo isn't going to work anymore. You can't do business as usual if you've been around for a while. You need to find new ways to do a lot of things. You've got to drive your business agility. Be nimble. You've got to optimize your processes. Anything is sluggish or lagging, don't just sit there and say it's good enough. It's not. You have to accelerate your digital transformation journey. The world is digital. Get with it. The writing is on the wall if your business model isn't letting you participate in what we're going to call the experience and ecosystem-based economy, and I know that's a mouthful, you could be left behind. We are racing to the finish line. I use that word again for a reason. So let me tell you who my two very special panelists are today, and then you'll get it. In just a moment, it will be my great privilege to introduce you to Mike Dobby. He spells his last name, D-O-B-B-Y. He is the vice chairman of Deloitte and the co-CEO of the Deloitte McLaren partnership there. I got McLaren. We're talking a little bit about F1 today, racing, so we're going to welcome Mike in a moment, and rounding out the panel, it's just two, but they have so much great information to share with you. We're welcoming back one of the sponsors of this series, Mark Gial, he spells his last name G-E-A-L-L. He is the Senior VP, Global Head of Platform and Technologies Ecosystem, there's our other keyword, at SAP. Gentlemen, welcome, happy to have you here, and I am Bonnie D. Graham, in case you didn't hear that in the opening, so Mike Dobbs you're up first, and Mike has sent us a wonderful quote from Lando Norris. He's a McLaren F1 driver. Uh, He's a young guy born in 1999. I guess they start that very, very young when they're getting into racing. Uh, He won the MSA Formula Championship in 2015, the Toyota Racing Series, the EuroCup Formula Renault 2.0, and on and on and on. He was a member of the McLaren Young Driver Program. So here's the quote from Lando Norris. I've been part of the McLaren team for a few years now, and I feel more integrated than ever. I do a lot of work with the team back at the factory, in the simulator, and with our engineers. There's a massive amount of effort that goes on behind the scenes, which you don't see on a race weekend. Mike Dobby, thank you for the great quote. Welcome. How are you, Mike? I'm well, thank you, Bonnie. How are you? Uh, well, thank you. Very kind of you to ask. I'm I'm very excited. We did a show with so, some of the topic on uh, McLaren F1s a couple of years ago, one of our Game Changers series. So I was very, very happy to see your name pop up and what you're all about. So Mike, tell us how you picked this quote. We're talking about experience and ecosystem-based economy. So how does this really great quote from Lando Norris, how does this epitomize what our topic is today, please?
2: I think what it highlights is that a couple of things. One is that we need a human in the loop. So the conversation's about breaking up ecosystems, but it's not about taking humans out and all about artificial intelligence. So we still need a human in the loop. And the human in the loop with McLaren is, is the racing driver, the driver that everybody sees the pictures of that everybody watches on television. Uh, and that's Lando Norris. But, but Lando can only do his bit. And when he's racing around these circuits at 200 miles an hour, he really can't see much other than the car in front and maybe the car behind. So again he needs a huge team to help him so so whilst on that day for 2 hours he is the man that everybody is looking at the amount of work that goes on the race between the race the work with woking the work with the decisions being made back at mission control thousands and thousands of miles away based on data is what makes him successful so i guess the point i'm trying to make is that sometimes when you look at something you see there's the, there's the guy there's the person isn't aren't they just amazing it's not just them it's behind them all of the things that go on behind the scenes
1: I love that. It, it's really a reality check, isn't it, Mike? You're right. And I love the fact that you use the word human right at the top of your description of the quote, because it is a person. It is a, do, you, do you think we'll ever get to the point where McLaren will compete with robots? Oh, do I dare ask that question? Mike Dobby, just give us a peek into well, the future. What do you think? Well,
2: I, I should point out I'm Deloitte rather than McLaren, but I, I think it's very, very unlikely. Um, we watch sports. All of us watch sports. Sports is fantastic. pulls us all together. Uh, gets us behind teams and what people are supporting is the individual, the gladiatorial nature almost of that person out there racing against everybody else so yes i'm sure we as we move towards autonomous vehicles and driverless cars we could race driverless ubers round and round and round the circuit but i don't think it will be very exciting for the people watching so i think certainly over time it'll always be a human in the loop
1: Thank you. And, and I know you're Deloitte. And tell me something. How did, how did Deloitte get into the partnership? We usually save the guests talking about their background for a little later in the opening of the show. But I'm, I'm really curious, and I know that our listeners would love to know, Deloitte-McClaren partnership. How did this come about?
2: So, so it came about by Deloitte. Um, we, we look very hard at ourselves, and we have a very successful business model. And, uh, you know, I'm just shamelessly to plug Deloitte for a second. I know we're not allowed to, but we are doing terrifically well. And uh, and it's not a case of, of if it ain't broke, don't fix it, but we're looking for alternative ways of of moving forward. Our, our business model that you talk about at the beginning, the business model of hours uh-huh. times rates, is a model that served us incredibly well for uh, for over 100 years. i have got 175 years next year for Deloitte, but there is becoming a time where we believe that we need to bring assets. We can't just bring clever people who sit. And listen to what people's concerns are and then go away and try and de- decide a, a way forward we can't just consult we have to bring assets and so we took a very conscious decision um in the uk to look for a partner that we could partner with to build assets and uh We really like the look of McLaren applied technologies. And I should be specific here. It's not McLaren Racing or McLaren Automotive. It's applied technologies. And what we're trying to do is, as the the word says, we are trying to apply technology used in Formula One perhaps the most expensive, the most leading edge sport of all sports in the entire world. Um, forgive me for the US because I know Formula One is the big over there as is everywhere else, but the, the five hundred million pound budgets so on trying to to gain an advantage of maybe two hundredths of a second. Mm-hmm. All of that technology we wanted to exploit. So we looked at them and we thought here's a fantastic company that has some really good technology that we could exploit out of formula 1 into other industries and therefore we came together as a partnership and i think later on Bonnie we might talk about some of the examples where we are taking that technology and applying what it works well in a racing environment into other into other industries <laughs>
1: Thank you, Mike. Again, a, a pleasure and we're very honored that you're taking time out. I know you're very, very busy, guys. So thank you so much for accepting the invitation. And I have to do a shout out to Carla Neal Slaven, who is our main contact at Deloitte who helps us uh, find wonderful thought leaders like you. So shout out to Carla. Thank you very much. And everybody else who helped get Mike for us. This is exciting. And now let's go to our other exciting panelist. It's Mark Gial. Mark, you're equally, equally exciting to us here at Game Changers Radio. Mark has sent us a wonderful quote from Helen Keller, 1880 to 1968, an American author, political activist, and lecturer. Most important is that she was the first deaf-blind person to earn a Bachelor of Arts degree. There's even a Hella Keller Day. She's been indi- inducted into the Alabama Women's Hall of Fame, and uh, she is known around the world as a, a pioneer in getting past her disabilities. So here's the quote. Alone we can do so little, together we can do so much. I want to say bravo to the quote. Mark all how have you been? I've been very good, Bonnie. Thank you. Thanks for coming back. It's your series. I love to have you back on the show. We had a very interesting quote explanation about experience in ecosystem-based economy with, with our guest, Mike Dobby. So tell me, how does this wonderful quote from Helen Keller fit into our topic today, Mark?
3: Well, I mean, I, th- I think it, it fits with, with Mike's comment from Lando, but also your, your sort of quote from from Deloitte at the start of the, the program, right, which is that, you know at the end of the day, you, you need to bring together different experiences from from different people or, or, or different companies in the context of these business ecosystems. each on their own can only achieve so much and if we if we pull together, um, we can leverage that combined experience that the people you know supporting Lando to, to make sure he's getting the best out of the tires, to make sure he's getting the best out of the engine, right This all builds up. Um, to To an area where we can actually achieve so much more, so you know a lot of what we 're doing here um, around our platform and our ecosystem is 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 trying to bring together um, the power of the many so that we can you know we can build on each individual 's experience each company 's experience and hopefully deliver better value and better outcomes um, to our companies and and you know this in part is is what Mike is doing with McLaren with um, around taking their innovation and Deloitte's ability to scale. It's bringing together two different sets of skills and, and coming up with a better outcome. Um, and I think, you know, Helen Keller's quote sort of, you know, in a very simple way he typifies this, right? We as individuals can, can do only so much um, as individuals, um, but we can, we're much more powerful when we, when we
1: come together um, and really reinforce each other. Thank you very much. Great explanation, Mark. And let's circle back to Mike Dobby. We'd like to get to know you a little bit better. Sir, uh, Mike Dobby questions. Number one, where in the world are you today? Number two, just a continent or an ocean or a hemisphere will be fine if you don't want to get too close, too personal. Number two, what do you love to drink that powers you, Mike? I know we I got a couple of uh, interesting emails from you before the show. I can't wait to hear what you're drinking. Be specific, please. And number three, tell us a little bit, a little bit about how you got to be the Mike Dobby we're talking to today. What's your background? How did you get into what you do? We'd love to get to know you better. So, Mike Darby, you're up. Go ahead.
2: That's uh, very, very flattering, Bonnie, again. Um, I'm sitting in the Deloitte offices in uh, London, central London, New Street Square. Um, I didn't know what, what's in your cup meant, actually, until Bonnie explained it to me. Um, <laughs> but what's in my cup when I drink? Um, I'm going to talk about a drink called King's Ginger, which I don't think many people have heard of. Um, it's a drink that was, uh, was stopped being made for about 100 years, but was restarted in 2009. Um, it's a drink that was, uh, was made for King Edward. So King Edward really lived life in the fast lane. So he'd drive around in his horseless carriage, which was a danger at the time, just literally when horses went away and you had these petrol-powered things, whatever the weather, to such an extent that in 1903, his physician became concerned about his health. So instead of going to a hospital, he called upon Berry Brothers and Rudd, who are a supplier of alcoholic beverages, mm-hmm. and, uh, and they asked him for a solution. So they, they, the mixologist there came with a very high-strength liquor that would warm and revivify, and I love that word, revivify, his majesty. <laughs> I do it's too. It's based on ginger. It's a wonderful word. It's based on, it's based on ginger for centuries, which was celebrated some medicinal properties, and the king's ginger was born. So it's right, it's described as being rich, golden, and delightfully crisp in flavor, and it helps King Edward stay colorful and ready for whatever came next, which I really like, because I think that's the way we've got to be in this world, whatever comes next, because we have no idea, um, I, you know, which is a good segue into into the third question. So I set off, like many people, I think, in Deloitte, um, trading the accounting path. So I you know, became an accountant. I uh, did a few more exams, got an MBA, did the same as everybody, uh, ran, a, mm-hmm. ran a practice of, of finance people, CFO services type of thing, um, all very traditional. And and yet now, here I am, um, the tender age of 54, and for the last two uh, two years, you know, I've spent my time now trying to look cool. Um, I've grown some <laughs> facial hair, and I know my wife's listening, I'll be chuckling now because I have got a little beard. Um, and I walk around with jeans on, and based in a WeWork office trying to build this new, um, this new ecosystem with McLaren and with SAP. And what I'm really trying to do is build that in a different place uh, with different people, with a very different culture out of Deloitte. So at the moment, I'm sitting in, a, in, in what you'd expect Deloitte's office to look like, a, a glass-fronted Goldman Sachs type of office that you see as you whiz up and down, uh, is it 5th or 6th Avenue in, uh, in New York, that sort of tower block. Uh, I spend most of my time working in a sort of converted warehousey type thing with lots of sofas uh, with more creative people trying to think about how we might build this ecosystem and how we might really challenge uh, challenge the, the norm in Deloitte. And, um, you know, they joke about it internally saying Dobby's trying to disrupt Deloitte. And I guess in some ways I am trying to disrupt Deloitte. I'm trying to figure out if there's another way that we can disrupt ourselves before potentially somebody might disrupt us.
1: Mike, I really enjoyed listening to you, and I have to tell you, Mark knows I'm pretty quick on the draw when it comes to looking things up while we're live on the air. And I looked up, of course, King's Ginger, and there is a website called the Kings. Let me lower my volume here on my keyboard. Sorry about that. Uh, the Kings Ginger, the Kings Ginger, all one word. dot com. And what sits, what strikes me, Mike, is this big bold letters. This bold. Concept it says a king with a capital K never follows. King Edward the Seventh was a trailblazer, trendsetter, and maverick who broke tradition throughout his life. And then underneath it says serve the king, which is such a beautiful play on words, Mike, because they're talking about ways to use it for drinks, for cocktails, and what they call irresistible food recipes. Have you visited their website, Mike?
2: Oh, I've visited Barry Brothers and Rudd. You can, you can, anyone who would like to like England tourism, you, you can come to Barry Brothers and Rudd in St. James's. It still exists. It's a very old shop, and it's very near the palace. Um, and I've visited on many occasions, and, uh, and I drink it quite a lot. And if anybody's ever in town for the uh, Autumn Internationals rugby, uh, they can find me in the West Car Park dispatching huge quantities of it to many of my guests.
1: Well, that's very gracious. And by the way, they're talking about on on Good Friday, which was uh, last week, they say, uh, make it a very good Friday by sampling the King's Espresso Martini, an exquisite mix of the King's Ginger, Coffee Liqueur, Espresso, Orange... Cream and ginger. Ooh, this this all sounds very very exciting. Thank you. You know, nobody. I, I think I've spoken to over five thousand people since I started Game Changers Radio in 2011, Mike. And this is the first time I believe anybody has brought us the story of the King's Ginger. So I am grateful to you thank you for the the disruptive drink here we go you are a trendsetter sir thank you very much and marky all i'm going around the table to you and and no pressure to come up with something very unique here because we love to hear what you're drinking whatever it is so marky all welcome and mark where are you in the world today what's your favorite drink and what's new with you so,
3: I'm today. I'm in Germany. So, normally, when I have the pleasure of uh, being on the show with you, Bonnie, I'm normally in London. Um, but today, I'm in Germany. Um, I'm visiting the mothership um, to uh, to make sure everything is is progressing well. Uh, it's a busy time of year for us, so I've got a few days here with uh, some some key partners in in Germany. Um, I'd also want to say that I've had the pleasure of sampling some of uh, Mike's King's Ginger in the West Star Park. Park. Mm. And uh, that really does, you know, warm your cobbles on a, uh, on a cold, wet, windy day in, in November uh, when you're waiting to see England win at rugby. So uh, it's, uh, yeah, I
1: can highly recommend it. Thank you. What have you been up to? It's been a couple of weeks since we spoke, Mark Eil. What's going on?
3: Well, I want to. I want to tell you what's in my cup before we go. Oh, all right, so, um, that's fine. I'm go happy.
1: ahead. Because Please. I want
3: to. I want to try and uh, see if I can do a little bit better than uh, than Mike because I see oh. you're getting phrase there. Um, so what do I have in my cup? So you know that I normally like to have a, a gin and tonic. So today I'm going a little bit more uh, sort of narcissistic, and I've actually got uh, Gilo gin in my uh, in my cup, and and what this is. Is uh, is a gin that I actually had the pleasure of of uh, crafting. So there is a there is another famous establishment in London, not quite as old as as Berry Brothers, um, and they have a, a gin called Portobello Gin. Um, but what they do is they they do um, an education evening where you get to understand and find out the history of, of gin and all its guises, going back to the. 16th century in London, but what you also do is you, you get to taste the different botanicals that you have, and, you know, there are about 20-plus different botanicals that you can get in gin, right, juniper obviously being the main, the main one, but you also get coriander and angelica, oris, cassia, as, as other botanicals that you can use. But what they do is they allow you to to sample and flavor this, and then you mix your own or blend your own gin, which has your own flavor. So, you know, there's the ecosystem element in terms of bringing together the power of those of those different botanicals, Um, but ultimately delivering this to you in a totally new experience where you as a customer can go in and and really sort of say, okay, do I want a spicy gin or do I want a very smooth gin? And, you know, based on what you've heard that evening, you're able to pull this together. So Gilo Gin actually exists. I have a bottle of this at home. Uh, I drink it uh, when I've run out of uh, all my all my premium gins. <laughs> um, but it's it's really trying
1: to change the way you can experience and, and interact with that uh, that wonderful drink. And and where is the place where you do this, Mark? Repeat. Where do you find this experience? Where do you do it?
3: it it's called Portobello. It's on Portobello Road, and it's a it's a gin company called Portobello Gin. So P O R T O B E
1: L L O. Thank you, because I looked it up and there's something called the Institute. It says the experience, Gin yeah, exactly. Institute. That's exactly yes. it, yes. yes, on the day of your visit to the Gin Institute, get yourself to the distillery at number, oh, here it is, 186 Portobello Road. Your gin instructor will explain to you the processes involved in creating gin and give you a quick overview of crafting your own gin. I did find it fascinating. Wow, well, thank you. This is two very unique What's in Your Cup segments today here from you and Mike Dobby. Now, Mr. Gill Aside from crafting a beautifully botanical gin that you enjoy drinking that we all want to have a sip of, by the way, I hope you're inviting everybody over, what have you been up to at SAP? Oh,
3: so uh, busy as always. Um, we've, we've actually sort of made some sort of internal changes. Um, so whereas before I had the pleasure of Working with, with partners like Mike, um, specifically around our cloud platform product, so I now have the, the privilege of, of working with those same partners, but also new partners across our overall platform and technology portfolio. So, you know, our database business, our analytics business, as well as our um, cloud platform business. So, a lot of change, um, but hopefully, again, being able to bring sort
1: of more partner types together to hopefully drive, you know, new value um, for our customers. Thank you very much. Nice to speak with you. And uh, for those of you who don't know me, I'm Bonnie D. Graham. Left New York after 32 years. Been in Durham, North Carolina for a year and a half. Getting used to the weather. We have approximately a 40, sometimes 50 degree temperature variation from the time you wake up in the morning to the time the sun is at its highest point in the afternoon. The gardens are blooming. Everything is beautiful and it's a sunny day. Woke up at around 40 something degrees and it's going to be almost 80 today. So there, I don't know what what kind of coat to wear? What kind of shoes to wear? But I'm loving sitting here in my home office looking out at my beautiful garden in full bloom. Happy to be here talking about very important topic. This is something that should resonate with everybody in our listening audience around the world. You just can't stick around with your usual, same old status quo business models. This is the experience economy. This is the ecosystem economy, and that's what we're talking about today with our two experts, Mike Dobby, who is vice chairman of Deloitte and co-CEO. He works with the deloitte McLaren Partnership, and Mark Geel, one of the sponsors of this show, SAP, Global Head Platform and Technologies Ecosystem. Ecosystem is the keyword we're working on today, and the title of this topic is Business model checkup how dynamic is your ecosystem so we're going to give you 90 seconds to think about it while we take a quick break and see what mike and mark want to have on their break drink i'm going to have a cup of cool clear water I have a little bit of a sore throat here but recovering very quickly and i'm just going to say for those of you who are listening however it is whether you're listening on your on your computer whether you're listening on a phone no matter what you're doing don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. I promise we'll be right back. Aaron, out.
0: Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. The pace of innovation is moving faster than ever, and the future success of business will be defined by how quickly business leaders adapt to accelerating ongoing change. Factors as diverse as business disruption catalysts, new platform business models, agile innovation, a thriving ecosystem, and an API economy are shaping the definition of future success. Join our experts as they analyze and discuss how business leaders can shape the future of business. Game Changing Business Model Disruption is presented by SAP. Visit SAP.com. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America talk radio network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You're listening to Game Changing Business Model Disruption presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter hashtag S-A-P-R-A-D-I-O. Now let's get back to game-changing business model disruption.
1: Yes, indeed. It's time to shake up your business model. Be like the king. Don't follow. Lead. Disrupt. Make new things happen. Be a leader. Be a thought leader. In every sense of the word, we're speaking today with Mike Dobby, Vice Chairman Deloitte and Co-CEO, Deloitte McLaren Partnership, and Mark Gial at Ecosystem at SAP. I'm still Bonnie D. Graham, and we're going to enter our formal roundtable part of the show. I'm looking at notes Mike Dobby at Deloitte sent me before the show, and here's an interesting topic we're going to dip our toe in this one with constrained physical assets mike tells me it's impossible to actually try different scenarios creating a digital twin that's our key word for this part a digital twin allows a level of simulation to test real life events that would be impossible to duplicate in the physical world mike dobby please tell us more
2: thank you bonnie well that's um, let me talk a little bit about how we've got to this too. So, the history of digital twin, because it's an off to word, but what do I really mean by it? Well, we can create, working with McLaren, we believe we can create a very, very accurate, high fidelity digital twin of almost anything. And the reason we believe we can do that is if you look at the world of Formula One, where cars are now developed in a virtual world. So it doesn't really matter whether you know whether you follow Formula One racing or not. But what's important to say is that because uh, the sport got so expensive, people said you can't go and try your car. You can't take a physical car on the road and drive it and check it. You must test it in a virtual world. And therefore, I guess a good analogy would be to say McLaren has perfected the ability to make a car uh, so accurate that it's almost like a PlayStation on steroids. And mm-hmm. by that I mean Fernando Alonso, one of their racing drivers, can drive a car around a track, a track that's measured to a millimetre each time, it's laser mapped to a millimetre, to within two hundred thousandth of a second of the real car. Mm. Now, what that enables them to do with this digital twin is to play out millions upon millions upon millions of scenarios. So when the race is taking place, as soon as it's lights out and the race starts, they're doing at least a thousand simulations a second of what-if What should I do if something happens? What should I do if if somebody hits a barrier? What do I do if Max Verstappen pits? What do I do? And it runs all of these all the time so that within a matter of seconds, the decision can be taken thousands of miles away back in Woking, which could literally be thousands of miles away, and the message relayed to the driver, the human in the loop to say, do this, do that, box now, stop now, change tires now. Now, that ability to create that fidelity around a digital twin means we can apply that to all manner of other things. A great example would be the sky. We all fly a lot. Everybody flies a lot nowadays. Uh, Wired Magazine had a little article on this a couple of months ago saying the skies aren't too busy, they just need reorganizing. Hmm. And we can reorganize them by taking a digital copy of airspace and then running all of the flights through as they come across. So we can simulate what happens if I probably shouldn't say an American airline, should they? Or someone will put me off. <laughs> an airline, call it whatever you like, okay. AA or Delta or anybody arrives late from the West Coast. What happens? Now the human in the loop, the, the controller sits there and thinks, right, we're late here. What's the knock on effect of the thousands and thousands, probably upwards of 5,000 movements above the UK airspace each day? How can they think through what happens? Well, what we can do now is run a thousand simulations a second and give that human in the loop the best idea of the next best course of action. Is it most people on the ground? Is it most connections? Is it biggest flights down? How on earth should they do it? And that's how we can take this digital twin and apply it to other other um, other industries.
1: Mike, it sounds new age. It sounds so exciting, I, and I know you gave us a quote from uh, Norris Lando. Lando Norris got it backwards. Sorry. Are yes. I, I'm sure young people like Lando. He's he's born in 1999. He's he, to me he's a baby. Are, yep. are they? Yes. They're they're cutting their teeth on this kind of technology. But what about some of the older drivers in McLaren in the F1? Are they saying seriously? Oh. Digital twin. Is there shock and yeah. amazement, or is this wow? Wh- how do they react to this,
2: Bonnie? That that is very perceptive, and it, and it's a bit of both to be honest. And certainly okay. when uh, when McLaren first brought this in. Uh, It used to be run by a chap called Ron Dennis, who was incredibly impressive at being able to stand on the pit wall and look at what the cars were doing and call a car and say, let's pit now. Let's put more fuel in now. We can Mm. overtake. We can do that ever. Then there was a great deal of skepticism when they brought in data. But, you know, after a time, after a period when you can prove what the data says, everybody will turn. But there's no doubt that whilst we've got the technology to be able to do this, it's much like many technology programs. Unless alongside that you've got some sort of change management program, mm-hmm. people won't adopt it. And frankly, if they won't adopt it and do what the data is telling them to do, there's no part doing it. So there's a large element of having to actually prove it. I think.
1: Thank you. Very interesting, Mark. You, I'd love to get your thoughts on this exciting new technology and the concept. I know digital twins been around, but when you put it into F1 racing, it, it takes on a whole new meaning, Mark.
3: No, I mean, look, it's very fascinating in terms of how you can how you can now take that data and and run you know thousands and thousands of simulations. But I think what often is is overlooked is that people change elements, right? And and if I think back, my first my first job many years ago, uh, a little before Lando was uh, was born, um, I was involved in digital twin one dot zero, right? If, if what mm. Deloitte and McLaren are doing is is digital twin three dot zero. 1.0 was, was how do you really disrupt and change the manufacturing space by creating a virtual product definition, we called it then, which was essentially a, a digital twin. Um, and the opportunity there for customers was, was, you know, how do I now start to take what were a, a, a sequence of, of linear processes like design, which led into manufacturing, that led into support. These were never overlaid because the cost of change was too much. Um, you now gave them technology where they could create this digital twin where they can now start to do what was known as concurrent engineering. So they could actually start the manufacturing process before they'd finished the design process because the cost of change was so much little, was so much um, so much less. The issue was they never changed their business to support that new business capability. So they were taking this great technology and they were, you know, compressing their design cycle, but they were still applying a set of linear practices. The change management piece was forgotten. So, you know, this is this is what we see today. We we start to talk about the power of data, the power of ecosystem, but ultimately it drives business model change. And you need to Think about the people element, the change element that you need to incorporate because, you know, naturally we as individuals, um, we can drive change, right? But initially we're, we're reticent or reluctant to make change because it creates uncertainty. Um, but if you take this great technology capability, and yes, you know, it's much easier maybe with – with uh, I don't know whether Lando is technically a millennial or not – I think it probably is. Um, that you know, you can they can maybe adapt that and adopt it um, sort of quicker than than some of some of us um, slightly older persuasion. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, the business needs to benefit from from everyone making that change. So you know, digital twin is very much there. It's transforming the industry. We're doing a lot of very interesting stuff with partners like uh, Deloitte McLaren and others in this space. Um, but don't don't forget the the change the change element that needs to happen for this to actually drive the real business value.
1: Thank you. And by the way, uh, Lando is a post millennial. I think it's called Gen Z. He's a little bit too young. Millennials would be twenty two to thirty seven. He's just yeah, just just barely. So just on the edge there. Uh, he's Go nineteen. Is I 20? I he's nineteen. So. <laughs> nineteen. Yeah. Yep. What can I say? I have a grandchild who's 19. <laughs> really? Formula yeah, One I, racing? Winning awards uh, all over the world? When, when, Go when, ahead. when he took me out for a, uh, he
2: took me out for what they call a hot lap in a McLaren around the Bahrain test track. Uh-huh. Well, the racing circuit, actually. And uh, I kept pointing out he was actually younger than my daughter. It was quite a terrifying experience, but uh, <laughs> I can assure you he been he- he- he knows exactly what what he's doing, and he kept saying to me, "You are enjoying it, aren't you? Aren't you?" <laughs> I'm not sure I was at the time.
1: <laughs> oh my, that that was it was precious. Thank you. And I, I did admit I have a grandchild at age, so we we will we won't go we won't go any farther into those deep waters. Let's leave that one alone. Thank you very much, Mark Giall. Uh, I want to move on to something very important in your notes you sent me before the show. This is uh, uh, important for our our listeners to understand. You say I quote. Mark In times of change and uncertainty, there needs to be a North Star to rally behind. This is especially true for ecosystems. And here's the important part where each independent player needs to be working toward. The common goal of the many. Mark, can you g- give us what is that North Star? Is it a person? Is it a deadline? Is it a project with a fancy title? Is it a new website? What is the North Star that rallies everybody together?
3: I think it's increasingly it's becoming the customer. Right. I think it's again it comes back to. Um, the whole experience economy and and how we we try to put the customer at the heart of everything. Um, You know, certainly in the context of of business ecosystems, um, they're forming and they're dynamic to, I think, Mike's point earlier. um, You know, they're they're constantly changing. Um, And, you know, they can be changing for the right reasons and they can be changing for the wrong reasons. And I think this is why you need to identify that that North Star and you know in many cases it, it probably needs to be that customer or that customer experience or service that you're creating. I mean, look at the example that Mike gave in terms of how he's a, a change agent within Deloitte to basically you know take a successful 175-year-old business and and, and propel it forward, right? They're, they're doing that to ensure that they still are putting the customer um, at the center of their business. Um, to, to, to drive new value for them, uh, as well as to build a scalable model and drive recurring revenue streams and all that good stuff. Um, but it's about, you know, ensuring that, that the the customer is still at the center of everything they do. And that's the challenge, right? It's, it's like when you go out, you know, on holiday with your, your family of four, each of you are trying to do something different. Um, and you, you often have to, to make sure that you, uh, you keep everybody's wishes I'm happy, um, but ultimately you get you get you know you get to where you need to to have a a great holiday. And I think you know with business, often you've got you know tens or hundreds of ecosystem partners um, that are coming together, all that have a slightly different agenda, have slightly different um, you know pace of movement, um, ability or authority to, to to drive change. So you know if you don't have that that common goal. Um, in terms of improving that customer experience, it, it, it's very difficult to um, to navigate and and to 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 have that successful outcome. So it's a challenge, right? And but that's uh, increasingly
1: what is what is what is happening in in every form of business today. Thank you, Mike Dobby. love to get your thoughts on the concept of a North Star, and if you agree or disagree with Marky all about it's the customer today. What do you think?
2: Well, two things. One, I would never disagree with Mark. This is good chat. <laughs> um, but but sec- you know, secondly, you, you, you're absolutely right, um, w- and, and that's that's been something that we've we, we've done. So to bring that to life, because everybody would say that, uh, we, we've been trying to create these new products, these products that are are going to serve our customers. Uh, joint products built between my, ourselves, McLaren and SAP, and. Um, you know, each of the three brands brings something very powerful, but um, of themselves, they don't bring enough to make a material difference, I don't think. Uh, but what well, in this niche space? So, um, McLaren brings some deep technology around uh, simulation and digital twin. Deloitte brings uh, a lot of uh, business content and reach into a global reach. Uh, and SAP brings uh, a lot of skill and expertise in building software products. And so, the three of us coming together can do something truly different. But again, I think we'd be, very, uh, we'd be very naive to think that we could just go up into a dark room and build something clever ourselves and pull this thing out of a hat rather like a rabbit. It's a magician's thing. Um, and therefore, everything that we build, every product that we have built, uh, we go through a very structured incubation process where we, we search for a client that has a need that we believe that we can fulfill across multiple clients And we also have to agree with that client that we will own the IP. And it's very important that we do own the IP going forward. And that's very different to the way in which consultants ordinarily operate. Um, Once we've agreed to that, we'll try it with a launch client. We'll then try a second client and perhaps even a third client. But we'll have a very gated process where we will just say to our to our bosses you know do we want to proceed yes or no and we will come together as a group and say right we've done this now for three times we believe that we're solving a problem that is industry-wide we believe we can solve it multiple times with the same solution uh, and therefore we go and ask our masters for some money to invest in it because the other thing that we're finding is however clever and however great the actual thing that we've built is and they are very good and they are very very detailed and very accurate you know, Unless it is built in something that is industrial strength, that is scalable, that is maintainable and everything else, obvious things I know, but, but not so obvious when you're building them from scratch, then it won't go anywhere. And that's why we found that this little ecosystem that we've put together uh, is so important. And I think it's, it's important because each of us has got a very clear domain where we're experts in, and that point of overlap is relatively small in that little Venn diagram of the three of us.
1: Thank you very much. I. <laughs> Mike, I, I liked you when we started the show. I like you even more. Not too many people even remember what a Venn diagram is, and I use that concept from time to time. And if our <laughs> listeners out there haven't learned that in a probably grade school math, it's when you take circles, a, a set of circles that represent different groups or populations or pieces of something that should be coming together, and you find out where those circles intersect, and then you look at the point of intersection, the size of the intersection to find out the commonality or possible commonalities or, or shared, uh, sh- shared something. Uh, am I right on that, Mike? Is that how you think of a Venn diagram?
2: Uh, you're absolutely right. Rather like the Olympic rings, but that's rather more than three, isn't it? I can't remember how many exactly that is, but it's those sort of circles overlapping yeah.
1: Thank you very much. I I want to ask you a question. You brought up the idea of humans. What a, what a revolutionary idea! Talking about all of the analytics and and everything you have going in the F one racing area, the digital twin we were talking about. Who you talk about? We might suggest to someone. We he she a person suggest a concept for an ecosystem. We've tried this with McLaren. Should we try it with other companies? Who is empowered today in a big company? You could just leave it vague if you want. Who is empowered to raise their hand or stand up on top of the desk and raise a flag and say, I have an idea. I think we should do such and such. I think we should get our little Venn diagram out. And I think we should intersect with XYZ company or XYZ industry to do something that we can't do on our own. Who is empowered to do that today, Mike Darby? What do you see in the world?
2: So so I think that's a great question. This might be a surprising answer. Um, Certainly in Deloitte, I think um, we are sometimes guilty of empowering too many people to do that. And uh, lots of people run off and try and form these alliances. And what we've concluded is that uh, rather than 100 people spend 10% of their time doing things, it's far better to foster, to take all of the ideas of the 100 people and then channel them through 10 people who will just do them full-time. And I think that really is very important because we don't want to stifle innovation. We don't want to stifle the ideas out there. But what we absolutely see time after time after time is trying to do these things edge of desk, you know, after the billable day is finished, things just don't take off. Now, again, that brings me back, though, to to, to yet again the same point that Mark and I have made, which is this whole change management. And it's it's a nervy, risky thing to do. Um, As I say, we've a very well-tried and tested model in Deloitte. People people know what the expectations are of partners. They know what people are trying to do. They know what the goals and objectives and measures are. All of those are quite, quite different for a product-based business. Mm -hmm. All of our systems are set up to work in terms of hours times rates. Every, everything is different, and it takes a couple of things. It takes an individual who is willing to take that risk, and it takes them to have the confidence that the organization behind them will accept them doing that and will reward mm-hmm. them if
1: they're successful. Thank you. I, I want to bring up another point from your notes, Mike. Let's use that as a perfect segue. I get you to talk about this for a couple of minutes, and then, Mark, I want to invite you in. You say enabling a startup mentality with a multibillion-dollar business is difficult processes procedures and culture inhibit rather than enhance the speed of decision making so jumping off from what we were just talking about who who are the people who are empowered in their role or in their their magnanimous attitude toward advancing the business but let's talk about that startup mentality how important is that
2: uh, I, well I, you know i honestly think it's vital i i, I butt against this um every day of the week but, but I, don't, I don't want to be negative about this because I'm, I'm a half full, a half cup full of uh, King's Ginger sort of person. <laughs> we have a lot of superb benefits. The benefits of scale are fabulous, and what people in startups, I imagine, I can only imagine because I've never run a startup, uh, would kill for. You know, the, the level of access, the potential level of funding, uh, the brand strength. I, I could go on and on. So there are many, many, many positives mm-hmm. of being in these gigantic organizations. Indeed, we wouldn't be where we are with McLaren were we not to have those. We would not be talking to the size of customer that we're talking to without that scale. However, and there's always a however, when you're trying to do something that is fundamentally different with the same old rules and processes, it gets very difficult. So all of the measures, when, when, when people are looking at the profitability, of, for example, a product versus a consulting engagement, the measures are all entirely different. Um, when you're looking at potentially putting your work onto a balance sheet and capitalizing it in terms of just writing it off and billing it, it's very different. When you're looking at um, approvals globally, um, it's difficult already in Deloitte as a collection of member firms, um, getting much easier as we globalize more and more, So, but it is, it is difficult. When you add on to that, you've got another group in McLaren and another group in SAP where we all need to be aligned. It makes things even more difficult. And let me bring that to life with an example. We work with a manufacturing company. Uh, we hold some great relationships in the UK, so I toddle off to go and see the CEO. The CEO is very excited. Says, "Yeah, I love it, Mike. Can you please go over to Belgium, where our centre of excellence for supply chain is? No problem at all." I say, straight up to Belgium to talk to the people there. Of course, as a matter of protocol, I need to talk to my partners over there and who I'm talking to and why. They say, "Fantastic, Mike. We love it. Would you mind offering trying trying a factory for us in Canada?" fantastic, I think, off to Canada. Mm-hmm. So again, that, that network of having to go around to try and do something quickly and bringing along all the partners, and that's why we're a partnership in the different geographies, takes time. I then need to decide on how I'm going to price the engagements. And remember, this is something to try and be a segue in with a new thing, a new thing that Deloitte and is selling, a new, a new way of working with them, a new way of uh, hopefully keeping the IP that we create with them, and a new creative model in terms of how we might sell it to them as a launch client. Ordinarily, I could just commit things, certainly from a UK perspective, I can commit us to, uh, to any sort of commercial arrangements w- within reason. That's a lot more problematic when I'm in different geographies, and it's a lot lot more problematic when I've got to try and bring along McLaren with me and SAP with me. Not, not problematic in a, a difficult way, because we all want the same thing, but just in the level of approvals and hierarchy to get through, it means I can't be as fleet as foot as if I mm-hmm. was two men and a dog sat in a WeWork office.
1: Thank you very much. Mark, you all love to get your thoughts, the concept of that startup mentality in a multi-billion dollar or any multi-business that is no no longer a startup. How do you do it? Agree or disagree with what Mike Dobby just shared? Uh,
3: That's a good question. I think it's it's such a challenge, right? I think that we have... We have this um, this situation today where innovation is is the shiny new thing that everyone, everyone wants to be seen to be innovative and to Mike's point, you know you, you probably can't carve out 25 percent of people's time to have them innovate um, because not everyone is successful in terms of delivering the impact and, and delivering the, the value on the back of it. Um, but equally, you, you you want to avoid trying to get into this sort of two tier type of culture right where you know these people are are the shiny new innovators, and these people are the state old people doing the, the same old stuff uh, that the old organization did and I think this is a, this is the challenge of any large corporation where they realize that innovation is key, they understand that they have to change. Their business models and their business capabilities to be successful in the new world, and we're going through this digital transformation thing, whatever that is. Um, you know, how do you do this in a in a sort of a let's call it semi-structured way, right? Where you you limit the risk because you still need to be effective. Um, you don't create a, a multi-tier culture within the organisation where some people feel they're sat on the wrong side of the fence, um, but also you you deliver. Um, you deliver the results, and you know the, the the challenge in many ways, and it comes back to this organisation word again, is is how the business is is formed and set up, and we forget that you know many startups are network based, right? Teams come together to to solve a particular problem. An individual will wear multiple hats depending on how they which 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 team or which project they're involved in at that time. Whereas large organisations tend to have evolved into these hierarchical. Um, organizations, right, where this silo does this and that silo does that. Um, and you look at the effective businesses today that are able to to bridge to bridge that divide. And mm-hmm. I, I, I see it a little bit when I see Deloitte McLaren. It's it, it's how do you overlay that that hierarchical capability with the network centric approach, right? It's the merging of the two different organizational setups to deliver that value and understand how people what part people play um in 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 delivering you know, whatever the new shiny thing is that, that, that needs to be delivered, right? You know, disrupting the status quo where it needs to be disrupted, but also giving people the accountability so that they can actually execute the decisions that are made. And, you know, what I see in many large organizations is they, they aspire to deliver that scalable growth. They aspire to deliver that change, but it's the internal politics. It's the lack of accountability. It's the fact that different people are moving in different directions, not always towards that North Star of the, of the customer. That that's when it fails, and it's 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 getting the balance between the two, um, because you know what we talk about on this show is the fact that every company, no matter what size, what industry, um, what what your background is, you you need to be taking advantage of this. And if it was easy, we'd all be doing
0: it.
1: Ah, I love that. If it was easy, we'd all be doing it. Thank you. Reality check. Mike Dobby, you're up. It's time for our predictions because we have two panelists because you both had so much to say. I could give you, let's say, 90 seconds for your prediction. I'd love to know. Well, 2020 is just about upon us. So why don't we look out between, oh, I don't know, uh, tomorrow and 2025, Mike Dobby? What do you see will change about the notion we've been discussing about the value of ecosystems, the dynamic nature, how people need to be thinking forward, thinking about the economy, thinking about the industry, thinking about the customer, thinking at the speed of an F1, if you will, and being brave and being like the king, leading, not following. So what do you see will change in the next five years? Mike Dobby, 90 seconds, prediction time. You're up. Go ahead.
2: Uh, I I, I think we'll see uh, more and more alliances. I think um, there will be a concentration of platform players. Um, Platforms will enable lots and lots of people to participate uh, on, on a level playing field. Platforms will allow global businesses to work and to scale and do lots of things more quickly. And I think when these platforms really come of age and and there will be a shakeout. Um, But the platforms on top of the super scalers will enable lots of people to build new and innovative products, uh, rather like wording, to sit on top of these platforms. And it will allow that pace of change to be that much faster as as people come together and, and bring their sort of particular skills, insights and technology and let all the heavy lifting for the platforms get done by others and, uh, and the scaling and the computer power be done by others and the superscalers. So I think it will, it will enable these smaller players to come together and innovate much, much, much faster.
1: Thank you very much, Mark Eyal. He was so brief and to the point. I can give you <laughs> two minutes. A hold. I don't know if all the years we've been doing radio together, Mark Giel, I've ever been able to give you two minutes, but if I keep talking, it'll be less. So Mark Giel, predictions, please take your time.
3: Oh, I'm not sure. I'm used to that that uh, amount of time or lack of time. Pressure. I mean, my my first prediction is that is that Lewis Hamilton will win the next three uh, Formula One World Championships, just for my. Well, it. Uh, but no, um, in a, <laughs> in uh, I think you know Mike made made some you know really interesting points in terms of you know that opportunity that is there as we bring together this sort of platform-based economy um, and enable companies to start to rethink. And I think. No, the the key challenge is is almost unthinking what you think you know, right? I think I think sorry to think has been used too many times in that sentence. Um, <laughs> that unthinking is 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 the real is the is the real challenge that that we really need to um, overcome. So my prediction is that for for platform business models to to truly be successful and truly mm-hmm. change the status quo. We, we do need to make sure that, that we are aligning those organizational, um, you know, models, the, the setup with the business to enable people to be successful because, you know, Mike made a, a critical point, which is there always is a human in the middle of this. Yeah, there's a lot of automation that we can do, um, but much of business is about managing exceptions and it's how do we how do we manage those exceptions more effectively. Um, and in a in a in a more timely basis. So you know, platform is where it's at. You know, content is king. Right, data is the, is the new oil. Um, but ultimately, we need to understand where the, the human in the centre of that business process, that new business process, is um, to to manage those exceptions. And if we don't do that effectively, um, we ultimately won't get the we won't get the, the the value of of the opportunity that is there for us all.
1: Thank you. That was great. And I have to do a shout-out to uh, your colleague, Marsha Malinowski. At SAP, she's at the handle mbeach75. Marsha is tweeting, and here's a good one, Mike and Mark. She says, we need a human in the loop. Nice way of pulling that together in seven little words. I appreciate that, Marcia. Uh, for our listeners, we are tweeting at hashtag SAP Radio, and my new handle is RadioRed777. So if you want to follow me, I would be very, very happy to have you follow me. There we go. But we will always be using the hashtag SAP. P-R-A-D-I-O. So on that note, I'm going to say thank you to my two special guests, and thank you to our engineer extraordinaire, Aaron Keller, at World Talk Radio, the business channel. Thank you to Mark Gial and his colleague, Torsten Leidach, for sponsoring this series. You've been listening to (laughs) Business Model Checkup. How dynamic is your ecosystem? We hope you learned a lot. So here's my call to action. Fasten your seatbelt. Well, you might not be driving a McLaren. You might not be on the F1 level, but... Fasten it anyway. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today, just like Mike Dobby at Deloitte and the deloitte McLaren Partnership, just like Mark Gial at SAP, and just like me, Bonnie D. Graham. Have a great day. I'll be back in one hour with another edition of our Megatrends Radio, looking at, interestingly, transportation and mobility, hype versus opportunity. Bye-bye.
0: Thanks again for tuning in to Game-Changing Business Model Disruption, the best run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.